Today, we're going to talk about the most famous um, chapter in the Bible, I believe, Psalms 23. This chapter is full, chuck full of the goodness of the Lord. Um, there's so much here in this short little chapter. It's so rich. There's no way that we could cover it all in just one message. However, since we can't dive into all of it today, uh, I think it would be cool if we would just read all of it out loud together. I think uh, many of you know it. Um, let's read it together. And if the uh, if CC, if you'll kind of keep up with us as we read through it, because this is on like three different slides back there. Very familiar passage, the 23rd Psalm. And all together, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. Let's say it all together. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Thank you. That was beautiful. Thank you. What a word picture um, of what God does for us in that passage there are lots and lots of metaphors in this passage, but probably the overriding one, the more obvious one, is that David is a shepherd. Um, <clears throat> so he paints a really cool picture here for us from a shepherd's viewpoint, and uh, which is very relatable uh, in that day, as most everyone uh, knew what it was like to be a shepherd, knew what it was right to, like to be around a shepherd. It was very common. Um, if you are um, a shepherd, you pick up on all the intrinsic details that are in that passage. But even if you're not a shepherd, it's pretty easy to understand that David is talking about all of the ways that God, the good shepherd, uh, wants to bless your life. Um, today, we're going to focus on uh, the meaning of just verse 4, uh, which is, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, the average person could easily read this and think, how in the world is a rod and a staff comforting? Um, it's good to have all of our guests here today. Um, how is it th that good, how is um, that good in any way? Um, doesn't seem that way. So this one verse, that if you're a shepherd, it makes all the sense in the world, but if you're not, it could easily translate to something that's pretty uncomfortable, not comfortable, not so good. And these are clearly two kinds of pieces of wood, uh, sticks. <clears throat> My first thought wouldn't be comfort when I think of that. 
So how in the world can these two sticks, these two tools of a shepherd bring comfort to our lives several thousands of years later? Because the Bible is not just for those days, it's for us today, right? So another metaphor, which by the way, I don't know if everyone knows this or not, another metaphor that's in here is the, the word pastor. How many know that the word pastor is the same word for shepherd? And that's why Sam uh, calls me senior shep. Um, and Dustin, Pastor Dustin, he calls him young shep. Um, you see how respectful he is? Uh, very, very, very thought out Sam is. He says senior for me and wouldn't want to imply that Dustin is a junior. So he says, young Shep. And then instead of calling me old Shep, he calls me senior to try to give me a little status. Very, very thought out that young man is. <clears throat> anyway, let's get back to the rod and the staff. So let me show you what these tools look like if they'll put it up on the screen. Um, <clears throat> The rod is used for, hear me closely, guarding and protecting. Um, a rod is, is, is for, um, by the way, uh, you might want to take notes today in your bridge app. The rod is used for guarding and protecting the sheep. Um, sheep are basically um, defenseless. They're defenseless animals. Um, it's not in their nature to, um, um, they, they, they don't have claws, they don't have, they, they can't run fast, they, they have, um, they don't have, I should say, very sharp teeth, they eat grass, um, they're slow, they're, they're kind of, um, I'm going to say naive animals. Without a shepherd, they're prey to um, all kinds of predators, uh, just about really anything. It doesn't have to be a bear or a wolf. I mean, it could be almost just about anything. Somebody's got to protect them. Somebody. And the rod is a defensive tool to fight against the predators. It's a defensive tool to fight against the enemies and the adversaries and anything like that. The staff is used for um, guiding and directing It's used for guiding and directing. Sheep have a tendency to wander off. And a shepherd's staff has a little crook, as you can see in it. It's used to pull the, the sheep. It's used to pull the sheep back to you, to, 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 to bring them back towards the shepherd. It's maybe to poke them with the end of it, to guide them a little bit. I read that sheep have the ability to graze on extremely difficult terrain, that they can often stand on a hillside, which they have all kinds of, it's, that's what it is over there, it's just all kinds of, of hills, and they're able to stand on a hillside um, at almost a 50, sometimes 70 degree angle, uh, Chris, and, and, and cows couldn't do that, they'd tip over. <clears throat> and while sheep can be on mountains and, and on cliffs and near edges, they still can get out of balance and often they fall off. So this curly little end on this thing 
of this staff, this shepherd's crook, would be used to grab around the sheep's foot or around the sheep's neck and would pull it in. If it gets too close to the edge, or if it gets, it's about ready to fall off, you can grab it by the neck and pull it in. You can pull them back to safety. Or if a sheep goes into a thorny bush or something like that, the shepherd could reach out with his staff and kind of grab the sheep by the leg, pull him and rescue him, pull him in. This is a tool that they used for recovery. It's a tool that they used to save them. It was a tool that they used to protect them, to get them out of a tight jam. So what's the symbolism behind these metaphors? Let's take note here. The rod represents power, <clears throat> and authority. I may have the wrong, there it is. I'm in charge here, in other words. I'm, I'm, I'm in control. And this idea goes way back. Here's an Egyptian king. I want to show you. He's got a rod in one hand and a staff in the other. He's saying, I'm both the protector of my nation and, and, um, and I care about my people. <clears throat> and I'm also... Uh, in authority of my nation, and I'm in charge. The staff represents care and compassion. And these two shepherd's tools have been used for literally centuries. But how does this relate to our life? How does this relate to what's going on in my life? I'm not a shepherd. What's David saying when he says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. How do I get comfort out of that? So let's dive in today in Hebrews chapter 13. It says, Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep. He's called the great shepherd in scripture. He's called the good shepherd. He's called the chief shepherd uh, throughout the Bible. Sheep, by the way, just so everybody knows, sheep, by the way, are a symbol of God's people. Everybody say, bah. (laughs) The church is called the flock of God. Many times in Psalms 100, verse three, now that the Lord is God, know that the Lord is God, it is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. In Psalms 95, it says, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice. In John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, I came, I, the, I came that my sheep will have life and everything they need. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. How many are grateful for that today? Today, my title of the message is the good shepherd. If we're supposed to be the flock of God, And he's the good shepherd. What does that mean to us today? The 23rd Psalm, it starts by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. What does all this correlation to a shepherd mean? What uh, what good is it for me today? And just as the physical shepherd used the physical tools that I showed you here today, the rod and the staff, the direction and the protection for guidance and guarding, God, the good shepherd, wants to do both of those things in your life. He wants to guide you. 
He wants to guard you. He wants to protect and to direct you. So let's look at the word of God today and try to unpack this metaphor a bit to see how it might comfort us today. I want you to take notes. Take notes in your app if you've got it. Otherwise, you'll lose at the next link group. The first thing that we learn about the good shepherd, about Jesus, is that he shows compassion. When I come to God and I say, God, I've got a, a problem. I've got an issue. I got problems with my finances. I got problems with my home. I got problems with my kids. I got problems with my parents. God, I'm really hurting. I'm weak and I'm, de- I'm depressed. I'm angry or whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm hurt. I'm betrayed. When we come to Jesus with our hurts, he doesn't put you down. He lifts you up. <laughs> he doesn't scold you. He serves you. He doesn't hassle you for coming to him. He heals you. The good shepherd shows compassion. In Matthew chapter nine, when Jesus saw the crowds, it says, his heart was filled with what? With compassion for them because they were hurting and didn't know where to get help. They were like sheep without a shepherd. It says that Jesus saw the crowds. How we... How we view others sometimes, isn't it sort of a look into our heart, how we view others? But the Bible says when Jesus saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion because they were hurting, they were, they were helpless, they, they were like sheep without a shepherd. And that's the way God looks at, at your issues, that's the way God looks at your problems and, and looks at the way you know sometimes you're messed up in your life and your situation. He's compassionate. There's a difference between sympathy and compassion, isn't there? There's a difference between empathy and compassion. Sympathy just means, oh, I'm sorry that you're hurt. Empathy means I I hurt with you. And compassion means I'll do anything I can to stop your pain. The Bible repeatedly says says that when Jesus looked at people who were in pain, he was moved with compassion. I'll do anything that I can to stop your hurt. I'll I'll let them drive nails into my hands and into my feet. I'll die on a cross for you. That's compassion. In Matthew 20, verse 28, Jesus said, this is why I came. I came here not to be served, but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many. He came. The reason why he came was to show compassion. He says, I came to serve and to give. Look at those two words. That's what it means to follow Jesus Christ, isn't it? That's what it means right there to be a true Christian. Giving and serving define a Christian life. If you don't give, if you don't serve, how in the world can you follow Jesus? Because Jesus said, that's the whole purpose why I came here. The answer to the riddle in this verse is once again about the importance of relationships, which we talked about last week. God's saying, life is not about you. 
He's saying that you only find your meaning by giving, by giving your life away. He says, for you, for you, it's really all about God. And it's, for you, it's all really about others. It's about God and others for you. But when it comes to God, when it comes to the good shepherd, it's the exact opposite. When it comes to him, for Jesus, it's all about you. For Jesus, he came to this earth for you. For Jesus, he died for you. He suffered for you. He sacrificed for you. It is all about you for him. And for God, and in and, and his viewpoint, it's about you. God is unselfish. And God wants you to be like him. He wants you to be Christ-like. Christ was not thinking of himself. He was thinking of others. And he wants you to do the same thing. The good shepherd shows compassion. The next reason that I'm so glad that the Lord is my shepherd is because he leads me right. <clears throat> if you say, God, I'm going to follow you, he becomes your guide through life. Now, you can say it all you want, but you got to mean it. Crystal and I went on a trip to Israel and it was, her and I both would say, a life-changing trip. Incredible, incredible. We got to go and stand where Jesus stood. We went to the Holy Lands. It was an incredible experience. And we had as, as great as it was to be there at those places, it, it was incredible to have an unbelievable guide. We had a guide that if I can ever get a group of people here to go, he said, call me up anytime and we can, I'll, I'll be your tour guide. This guy was incredible. Every single place, significant place that we went to, Tony, it was, it was like, you know, he, he would get emotional. Can you imagine being a tour guide and getting an emotional at every tour? He was emotional. And this was not, this was, gen, he was as genuine. I'm telling you, he was, it was incredible. And it got to the point where I get to these different significant sites and I would be weeping like a baby. Listening to him tell the stories. And being in that space. Without our guide, though, I'm going to tell you right now, it would have been a waste of time and money. It would have been. You're thinking, well, you still, you were there at the Holy Lands. I wouldn't have known anything. I wouldn't have known if I was standing right dead on top of the place where Jesus himself had stood. Without a guide, it would have been a waste. Not only would I have gotten lost for sure, it's very dangerous over there. Our guide would make sure, he would, he would make sure, listen, not one person gets off of this bus unless you're counted. He made sure that everybody was protected. He made sure that it, uh, you wouldn't get to a place where you were not supposed to be. If we wandered off and got in the wrong place, it wouldn't have been good. Not only would we have gotten lost, 
maybe into a dangerous place without a guide, without Richard. But even if we had been standing, I mean, right on top of where Jesus was born, we wouldn't have known it. We'd have been clueless. Where, where he fed the 5,000, we wouldn't have known it. Where he prayed, not my will, but thine be done. We wouldn't have known. Where he walked the path as he carried the cross, we wouldn't have known. We could have walked down that path and without a guide, would have never known. I wanted so bad to visit the upper room while we were there where the 120 gathered for the very first time to be filled with the Holy Spirit as they spoke in tongues. But also because my parents, who are both already gone on, um, went there, and they went there with their best friends, and they took this snapshot of them kind of being in the, uh, the upper room together. And so we were actually with um, my parents' friends' sons, and, and, and son and, and daughter-in-law, and it turns out to be our, our best friends. And so we were kind of bummed because the tour guide said that we weren't going to be, we didn't have enough time to go to the upper room. And since he was our guide, I had no idea how to get to the upper room. I had no idea where it was even at. I, I mean, it's not like you could just go around and say, hey, where's the upper room? You, you couldn't do that. The guide had to tell me where it was. And, and, and since we, we were bummed. I mean, we were, we were bummed. We had no clue without that guide how to get there. And we didn't get that picture, but we made our best attempt. We were in the garage of the hotel and we were down underneath, you know, we just made it our own upper room and we all stood in line in the way our, my mom and my dad and, and his mom and dad were standing and we kind of took our snapshot. But I want you to know something that the same is true with your life. You need a guide through your life. If you're just walking through life, you know, on your own, you're missing a whole lot. Without a guide, without a shepherd, without somebody to show you the ropes, Jesus says, if you're going to choose to follow me, I'm going to be your guide. I'll be your shepherd. Yeah. <coughs> I'll lead you in the right path. The shepherd always knows more than the sheep do. Always. They always know. She, Jesus always uh, is going to know more about your life than you know. He created you. He made you. He knows your purpose, even when you don't know your purpose. Psalm 23 said it. He, he leads me in the, in the right paths for his name's sake. He'll never lead you in the wrong way. John chapter 10, Jesus says, the good shepherd walks ahead of his sheep and they follow him and they recognize his voice. Now I want you to notice something here that the good shepherd walks ahead of the sheep. They follow him. They recognize his voice. The shepherd is leading by example. How many of you have ever seen an old Western where they are driving cattle? They, they, don't, they don't lead the cattle, do they? They get behind them and they drive them and they push them. And that's the exact opposite of a shepherd, a shepherd leads. It's a big difference. Here's the point. Jesus is not gonna push you through your life. 
He's not gonna push you into doing things that you didn't wanna do or that you're not interested in doing. He's never gonna force you to do something that you don't want to do. But, but a shepherd is gonna lead the way. He's gonna say, watch how I do it. Look, look, look where I go. If you follow his lead, your life's gonna be a whole lot easier, a whole lot easier, a whole lot easier, a lot fewer problems, a lot less stress. It's also important to note, and the Bible says in Psalms 26, it says, your constant love, talking about God, your constant love is my guide. Your faithfulness always leads me. David says here, Lord, when you lead me, you lead me with your love. Jesus always leads with love. Not with a bunch of laws. The reason a lot of people are afraid of God, the reason why a lot of people fear God, why they don't want to follow God is because they think that he's just going to give them a bunch of rules and things that they can and can't do. Yet God says, I lead out of love. Our next one, when we're talking about the good shepherd, is sometimes, as I mentioned before, we're known to, the sheep are known to wander off. So if you get confused and you wander off, he finds us. He finds us. And he brings us back. How many are grateful for that? In Matthew 18, Jesus says, if a shepherd has a hundred sheep, we sang about it today, and one wanders away and is lost, won't he leave the 99 safe sheep to go search for the one lost one? <clears throat> if you're here today and you've been thinking that you're all alone, I want you to know that you matter to God. You matter to him. You matter to the good shepherd. He says, I'm going after the unsaved. He says, I'm going after the lost one. And that's exactly, I'm gonna tell you something to all of you that are here today. Um, this is exactly what I want the bridge to be like. Exactly like this. We, we started with just my family in our living room and, and I don't ever wanna stop growing. I don't ever wanna stop growing. Why? Not because we need more people, because we don't. I, I, I'm just gonna be honest with you. I truly love knowing each of you the way I know you. Getting to know you, getting closer to you, getting to know your children, getting to know, and, and I'd like to know more. I'd like to you know, get to know you even more. Uh, what you're like, what you, what you like, what you don't like, hanging out with you, watching your kids play ball, hitting grand slams, watching the parents coach and react to, to their kids. I love that. I love it. But I, I'm gonna be honest with you, I hardly have time to keep up with just the bridge family that we have. And go to all the different things that, that's going on. Why in the world would we want to keep growing? We can't even, can't even keep up with that. We do because Jesus says, there's one more person out there. There's one more person out there who still doesn't know me. We're going after them. We're going after them. We, we, don't, we don't grow for our benefit. We grow because people need God. As long as there's one person still out there in the Lake St. Louis community who hasn't heard the good news of Jesus Christ, we're going to leave the 99 sheep and we're going to go after the one. 
It takes, I'm gonna tell you something. Here's what it takes. And we talked about it last week. It takes unselfish people to grow a church. To leave the 99 and go after the one. And yet that's what Jesus did. The church that doesn't want to grow is basically saying to the world, you can go to hell. We're all saved. We're all happy. We're, we're going to heaven. It takes unselfish people to be like Jesus and say that we're going to go. We're going to keep reaching out. We're going to keep reaching out. We're going to keep reaching out. There's still one more who needs the Lord. Check this out in Luke chapter 19. Jesus said, I came, I came to seek and to save those who are lost. Now this implies something to me. That, that, that's, this is why Jesus came. This is why he wrapped himself in flesh to come, to seek and to save. Now that means to me, if he came here to this earth, which he did, we're the ones that are lost. He came to seek and to save those who are lost. He's on a search and rescue mission. And this tells us right here, not everybody is going to go to heaven. If they were, Jesus wouldn't have needed to come to earth. I mean, if it was just an automatic thing that we were going to go to heaven, Jesus didn't need to come to die on the cross. That would be a colossal waste of, of, of suffering and sorrow and, and sadness and pain. But he said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. And the Bible says we are lost without the good shepherd. Isaiah chapter 53 says, listen to me, listen to the word of God very closely. We are all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. Listen to this. We've all done our own thing gone our own way. And listen, and God has piled all of our sins, everything that we've ever done wrong on him and then nailed him to the cross for it. As parents, we don't teach our kids to just <laughs> go wander off somewhere. That's not something we teach. They kind of know that on their own, don't they? I mean, that comes with the package. It's, it's included in the package. <clears throat> All of us, our parents have gone through that. And it's the same with us and God. We wander away from God. We get into these situations that we shouldn't be in and we get lost. And the Bible says all of sin, doesn't it? All of sin comes short of the glory of God. Some of you here today are thinking, I feel lost right now. You're going, I've, I've got no idea what I'm supposed to be doing in life. You're lost regarding, regarding your finances. You're lost regarding your career, regarding a relationship. Do I keep going on? Do I give up? Do I try something different? What do I do? That's called being lost. It's simple. You don't have a guide. Someone who's walking you through it. Or, or you've got the guide, but you're not dependent on him. Just about every parent, I think, has gone through that experience of feeling the losing your, your child, that sick, sick feeling when your child wanders off maybe in a department store or 
Six Flags or something like that. And oh my gosh, Roman did that, if you guys remember, not too long ago after the the um, back to school bash and everybody was pretty much gone and we were cleaning up and stuff and we're all like, well, where's Roman? We haven't seen him in a while. And all of a sudden we started looking for him. And at first it wasn't frantic. It was like, Roman, hey, where you at, buddy? And we're looking throughout the church. We're looking everywhere. We don't, nothing. And I'll tell you what, it doesn't take too many times of hearing nothing before a parent's going, this throat, this something's welling up in your throat and you're going, oh my gosh, what's going on here? What, what's, what's hap- where's he at? And the next thing I know, I'm walking outside and Devin is, is already, he's running around and he's going way across over here and he's trying to find his son. Every second that he's not found, oh my gosh. And then all of a sudden, we found him. And there was this instant relief. And finally, when the adrenaline, you know what I'm talking about, um, uh, subsides as a parent, you don't just act like nothing happened. That, that, you don't just act like it's no big deal. No, no way. You, you don't brush that off with your, with your child because you love them so deeply. You have the talk with them, don't you? Son, you, you, you can't hide like that. You know, don't, don't run away from daddy uh, like that. It, it's a serious thing. It's dangerous for you to do that. You correct your child. You're not correcting them out of anger. You do it out of love. You discipline them because you love them. <clears throat> Parents, let me tell you something. And this is going to sound harsh, but it's the word of God. An undisciplined child is an unloved child. A child that gets away with anything and everything that it wants to do is not a loved child. It's an unloved child. That's scripture. Because kids need Discipline. We need discipline. We need direction. We need training. So what does God do when we wander off? He disciplines you. He has the talk with you. He corrects you. Psalms 119, 67 and 68. We're going to read this and then later we're going to come back to it. But it says, I used to wander off until the Lord disciplined me. But now I closely follow his word. I've talked about this before, but it's something you might want to take note of. Discipline is not, is not punishment. Punishment is a penalty for the past. It's, it's usually done in anger. Discipline is training a, 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 and correction for the future. It's always, everybody say Always. It's always done in love. You're not angry, but you're doing it out of love because you want the person or the child, or in this case, the sheep, to go in the right direction, to go in the right direction. How many want their kids to go in the right direction? Sometimes if a shepherd 
listen to me close, as a sheep that's so prone to wander off, kind of a black sheep, <laughs> so prone to kind of to wander off. It's going to wander off and it's going to get killed is what it's going to do. Maybe it's in a dangerous area. Maybe it's in, you know, dangerous animals are nearby and the shepherd, here's what he's going to do. He's going to hold that sheep's legs together and he's going to wrap his legs up so he can't move. So he can't kill himself. Sometimes it says in scripture, it says that he actually breaks the legs of the sheep so it doesn't wander off and get killed. The good shepherd the good shepherd might have to slow you down to keep you from wandering off. That's not punishment. That's discipline. It's important to understand the difference. As Christians, even sometimes you think, God's punished me. God's getting even with me for something that you did in the past. And that's, that's so, so wrong. That's wrong. Listen to me, God never, never, never punishes, never, never punishes his children. He disciplines us, but he never punishes us. He never punishes his sheep. He never punishes his children. Wait, wait, wait. You mean I can keep sinning and keep sinning and keep sinning? Why, why doesn't he punish you? It's because God, God never... God doesn't make you pay for your past. (laughs) Why? Because he's already paid for it 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ has paid for all of your sins, even the ones that you haven't even committed yet. You know what? If God did, if God did punish you for your sins... You know what that would mean? That would mean that Jesus' punishment on the cross wasn't enough. And it was so enough. All of the guilt, all of the regret, all of the shame, all of the penalty for your sin was paid for by Jesus. He disciplines, but he's not going to punish you. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, it says, He was crushed for the sins we did. And the punishment that we deserved was given to him. So now we're healed because of his wounds. You might be thinking, wait a minute. You mean I'm never going to have to be punished? I'm never going to have to be punished for my sins? Here's the answer for that. Not if... You've trusted Jesus as your Savior. Not if you've received that Holy Spirit that I was talking about. It's already been paid for for you. You say, I get to go scot-free? Yep. Well, that's not fair. God says it's not fair. It's called grace. Grace. Grace is when God gives you what you need. When God gives you what you need, not what you deserve. Not what you deserve.
God never punishes us for our sins if we've trusted Jesus who took that punishment already. Now, he does, and does uh, discipline. Psalms 119.71, David says, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. It was good to be afflicted. I don't know if you put that together. How many like affliction? You ever been afflicted? How about physically? Been sick before? Romans, uh, it says, this, this Psalms 119 teaches us uh, that, um, that he doesn't condemn us here. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But we learn from discipline. Listen to me. We learn, we learn from discipline. David said, it was good for me to be afflicted. You can be afflicted emotionally or you know, in a relationship or physically or whatever. Um, uh, these are not punishments, though. David said, it was a good thing that I was disciplined because I learned your ways, God. We need to stop asking, why is this happening to me? And start figuring out and start asking the question, what, um, 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 what do we learn from this? David ended up saying, it was good for me to go through the trial. It was good for me to go through the suffering and the difficulties and and the affliction. Sometimes you only learn, sometimes we only learn through pain. God whispers to us in our pleasure, but he, he, he shouts to us in our pain. And pain is the way God gets your attention. Now I want to go back to that verse in Psalms 119, in verse 67 and 68, where he says, I used to wander off. Look at the past tense. I used to wander off until you, Lord, disciplined me. But then he says, but now. But now I closely follow your word. You are good and you you only do good, so train me in your principles. He said, you train me, God, in your principles. Have you ever noticed that some children seem to need more discipline than others? And others, they get it after the first time. And then others, they don't even have to get it. They see somebody else get it, like Crystal. She saw her brother get it every day, and she's like, ah. She just witnessed some discipline, and that was, that was over. I learned, I learned. Man, if I have to be disciplined, I only want to have to go through it once. David said, so train me in your principles. I'm, I'm trying to teach you guys something here today. In other words, I need, I need your wisdom, God. I need your wisdom. I'll closely listen to the word of God this morning as the pastor speaks. I'm gonna read the word of God on a daily basis. Uh, The more that you understand God's principles, the wiser you become. And the wiser that you become, the fewer problems that you bring upon yourself. And and that's what the bridge is all about. Excuse me. It's to share God's word. It's to, it's to share his principles and to share his ways. But we only meet once a week Sometimes twice a week at Link, which was great, by the way, to have everybody here this past week. But we need more, more than just once or twice a week. We're sheep and we wander off. We need to get into the word of God every single day that we live. It's our daily bread. Listen to a podcast 
uh, 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 leadership or, or about uh, um, the, you know, the Bible. Another U version Bible plan. I'm so proud of so many of you. I get email notifications almost every day. I, I see that you're starting up another U version devotional. This person is starting up another Bible plan. And that's awesome. That's awesome. You're learning about God's principles. You're learning about God's ways and receiving God's wisdom, his wisdom. You don't always have to learn the hard way. And today, our final note about the good shepherd is that he rescues and restores me. How many are so grateful for that? Like all sheep, we now not only wander off, but sometimes we flat out stumble. We flat out fall. Anybody want to say amen there? We've all stumbled. We've all fallen flat on our face. We do it on a regular basis. And the further, listen to me, the further I get from God, from the good shepherd, the more problems become in my life. And the closer I get to the good shepherd, the fewer problems I have. Because he's going to guide me. He's going to guard me. He's going to protect me. He's going to direct me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. How does Jesus react when you fall? When you do something really sick and twisted? And I'm not talking about just the, any old little thing. When you do something really bad, when you flat out something wicked, something, something mean, something bad, something nasty, when you really embarrass yourself, in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus said, if any of you, listen very close, if any of you has a sheep that falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not rescue it and lift it out? I mean, I don't care if, if it's the Sabbath or not. I mean, you're gonna get the sheep out of there. Um, Jesus goes on to say, how much more valuable is a man than a sheep? When we jack things up, when, when we do something really stupid, when we fall into that deep pit that it's talking about here, which we do, if you think God is going to condemn you or, or scold you, you're going to avoid God. You're going to run from him. But if you know that God will rescue you, that he will restore you, you're going to stay close to him. You're gonna, you're gonna, in fact, you're going to run to him. Every time you jack something up, Jesus will lift you out of that pit. That's him being a savior. He doesn't excuse it. He doesn't judge it. Jesus said, I didn't come to the world to, to, to judge. I came to save it. And that's the God I serve, a savior. You ever wonder why there's so much suffering God doesn't cause that suffering. He doesn't have to. There's plenty of it going around in this world. But he does, listen to me closely, he does allow it. He does allow it. Why does he allow, why does God allow all the suffering? God could take away all the suffering in the world just like that. But why doesn't he do it? All he'd have to do, all, here's what he'd have to do. He'd have to take away your freedom of choice. 
Because if I always did the right thing and you always did the right thing and everybody else always did the right thing, the world wouldn't be broken today. But God wants to give us a choice. Jesus wants a group of people. He wants a people, a person who will choose to love him voluntarily. You know what? It's not love. It's not love if you don't have a choice to not love him. But you got a choice. God loves you and he wants you to love him back with your choice. The freedom to choose is your greatest gift and yet it's your worst curse. Because we all make bad choices. And as a result, listen to me, we destroy the economy, we destroy the environment, and the environment takes people's lives. We all hurt each other, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. God doesn't cause the suffering, but he does allow the consequences of our own decisions. You're free to make all your decisions, but you're not free from the consequences. And in Psalms 71, verse 20, it says, you allowed me to suffer a lot. But listen to me. He says, but you will bring me back. You'll bring me back from this deep pit and give me a new life. Shall we stand together? Some of you today, you may find yourself